You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Man, the Spirit is doing something, church. Um, the Spirit is doing something. There is... There is such a move of worship taking place right now in in our nation, uh, in our country, and in our backyard. In Lubbock, Texas, the Lord is doing such mighty things through the power of worship and praise and singing songs to His name. And it's, it's not a spectacle, it's not a show, it's people pursuing and running after Jesus and just offering praise to His name because He's worthy of it. It is powerful, it is wonderful. The Lord is doing such a mighty work through worship. There is a... There is an event tonight in Lubbock, Texas, um, uh, uh, just a worship service, an intercessory service over, over Lubbock, Texas, um, through a group called the Upper Room. Um, they're, they're from Dallas originally. It just started, it was just a prayer room. That's all it was. That's all it is. And, and they're, they're coming and they're, they're touring. They're going to four cities that the Lord laid upon their heart in obedience to establish this, this measure of the presence of God through worship in. And Lubbock just happened to be one of those that he highlighted. Of all the cities that he could highlight, he highlighted Lubbock. Yeah, come on, let's get a little bit excited. Like, the Lord is doing something new in our midst. Do you perceive it? Right? You can't deny it. The Lord is bringing things. He's bringing people. He is doing new things in our city and in our communities. Um, It is profound. It is amazing. And just some testimony of this. I just, uh, I can't move on without sharing this. I am so excited about this. But over the last several weeks and months, and really the last several years, you have seen newer faces on this stage through the worship hour. But you need to know the, the staying in the trenches that we have done, especially Jay, for a lot of years. Praying for a team that we are seeing come to fruition right before our very eyes. I mean, we, we have prayed, Jay has prayed even longer than us because one of his prayers was for a drummer. And I, that was me. I'm sorry. Um, you got to be more specific in your prayers. Don't just say a drummer. That's a wide range of destruction, okay? Just warm bodies. That's all we prayed for. I just need warm bodies, a pulse. That's all we need. We just want you here. Um, no, but the Lord, what we've prayed for more than anything is we've prayed for a heart that desires to praise the Lord, seek the Spirit, and usher Him in into this place. We could care less how long you've been playing that instrument, how long you've been singing. We just need that heart. And that's who the Lord is bringing, and it really helps that they're actually really talented. So that's just a positive. Jay's learned how to, he's learned his lesson with me, and now his prayer is more specific. Um, but like Nunes, that guy's awesome. If you don't know him, know him. He's amazing. He's back. We love it. But for the first time, we're actually talking about scheduling people to get a rotation because we don't. I was sitting there this morning. It's like, no, we don't need to schedule people. We'll just get everybody up here. And I'm like, there's no room on this stage. We've maxed out our new stage. It's, it's, we've already outgrown it. Praise God, right? The Lord is doing a new thing and it is exciting. It's an exciting time to be here. I just want you guys to know that every time you sing songs uh, with us and we, and we worship together, just need, you need to know that you are stepping into the fruition of a promise. You're stepping into an answered prayer. Every time we sing together, you are stepping into answered prayers. Amen? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Um, 
Children's Church. Otherwise, you're just going to be here the whole time. I've got to stop now. Shoelaces. Kai. He's going to fall later. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. No knot is good enough for Kai. He's too crazy. He can't be contained. Um, church, it's, it's really good to be here this morning. This, this was a... This, since school has started, it has been nothing but chaos in our lives. In my house, especially. It's just been nuts. Uh, and, and, you know, when school starts, that's not the only thing that starts, right? Sign-ups for all the, all the things, all the sports. And Sarah and I thought, you know what's a really good idea? Is if we sign our kids up for soccer, right? It sounds like a total blast. But we thought, you know what would be an even better idea? Let's sign them up for a league 45 minutes away that doesn't practice till evenings after school. So they're just exhausted and... Super fun to deal with. Um, so we're doing, we've done a lot of this to ourselves, but we're having a really good time. Um, but all that to say, this was just, this was one of those weeks where you, you wake up and you're already behind. You guys have those weeks? We just wake up and you're like, I've, I'm already behind schedule. And I, I've just woken up. Woken up. Um, it was one of those weeks, but um, man, the Lord, the Lord is just... He has such encouragement for us this morning. I didn't know how, what, what the atmosphere of this service was going to be just with the message. It's not a, it's not a negative message. It's a, it's a wonderful thing that the Lord has for us. But um, we were addressing something. We're addressing something this morning. We're addressing the fear of man this morning. I'm just going to tell you. I don't need to hide it from you. That's where we're going. We're addressing the fear of man this morning. And so I didn't know what the, what, what the, what the enemy was going to bring into here to try to combat that. Does that make sense? Because he, he, he pays attention to what the Lord is doing because he doesn't want those things to happen. So I was fully, I had my guard up ready for whatever spirit would come through that door that wanted to stand against it. And you know what I found? I found joy. That's the spirit. So I just thank you for pursuing the Lord in your own story and just for allowing the Lord to equip you and, and walk with you. Um, it's just what a blessed morning. Um, it's such a blessing to be here. Um, we talked about last week, a part of restoration, and this, we're continuing with this more restoration talk this morning, but part of restoration is recognizing that new routine, new direction comes with restoration. Does that make sense? When the Lord is doing a new thing, oftentimes what we try to do is we try to fit his new thing into our old structure. And that's not what he's doing. Sometimes he can do a new thing in you and just weave it right into your current state and where you're at in life and the routine that you have. But also, sometimes, what does he command? He commands that the structure changes because there's a new direction to head in. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing in this church. There are things um, that the Lord is doing. And if we desire to see a community led by the Father, we must be a people individually that are first led by the Father. If I desire to see it corporately, it must first exist in me. Individual, individually, I must be led by the Father. I, I, I have to lay down preferences. I have to lay down my ideas of what I wish He would do, what I think He should do, and how He should do it. I have to submit to His leading and recognize that a new sundown can only be found if it yields to new direction. We can't get stuck trying to go back to plug in what the Lord is doing now back here. 
That's not how it works. He's doing a new thing now, right? He's not doing a new thing for back then. He's doing a new thing for right now. We are his hands and feet, vessels for his kindness. And we are meant to be those that walk in unity. But for us to do that, we must give ourselves opportunities to be unified. This is something that I've just been in conversation with the Lord regularly. And, and just this reality, you know, I, I, we talk about it. Melissa uh, talks about it all the time because she longs for fellowship with, with you, this group of people. She longs for fellowship with this house. Um, and it's tough for her as a, as a children's minister because she's gone during this, right? So she doesn't get this time together. She longs for fellowship. Um, and she's, we've been figuring out, trying to figure out, okay, how do we have a regular meal after church? And that just really quick, uh, we saw that just, that can't work. But, and just trusting the Lord, say, okay, how can we have more fellowship? And the Lord's like, just have more fellowship. I'm like, okay, but when? He's like, you've got these two days that you are guaranteed to have people here because it's an expectation to be at church on these days, Sundays and Wednesdays. He's like, do it there. I'm like, okay. So with some interpretation and some prayer, we're, we're moving, uh, Sarah announced this, but we're moving Sunday school for the adults. It's to be a time of fellowship because there's a real deficit in this community and it can't be a deficit found in us, but it, there is a deficit right now is that I don't know what the Lord is doing in you. And you don't know what he's doing in me. That's a problem. That's something that can be easily solved, but it is something that needs to be solved. I need to know where you're at, what he's doing, how he's moving, how he's using you. And you need to know that about me as well. And what it does for this corporate body is I get to see how the Lord is speaking from this pulpit and then you are applying it in your life. And you also get to see the direction that we're headed based on what the Lord is doing in me. So there's just constant state of unity that we'll get to live in. And so that's what we're moving into. So come, be a part of that, please. I know it's going to take a little while to get adjusted to the new routine and different things like that. But um, at 945, we're going to gather together. We're going to love on one another. We're going to uh, share our hearts with each other. We're going to have donuts and coffee and juice. and who? I mean, those are good things. These are all good things. I've not listed a bad thing yet. Uh, and there's no bad things to be found there. So it's just going to be a wonderful time. Uh, we're going to have, uh, Melissa's going to have teachers rotating in during that Sunday school hour so that she can be a part of that. And we're just going to fellowship with one another. Pray for one another. Walk hand in hand in this move of God. And to be, this is really all I want it to be. I want it to be a time where we become each other's solid foundation. To where when I am going through something, I know I have this body of people that are right with me. The vision the Lord, the first vision the Lord gave me when he anointed me to be pastor of this church, right there was all of us locked arm in arm walking together. That doesn't happen if we don't provide opportunities for us to gather together that we can walk together. Amen? So that starts next Sunday. Come be a part of it. It's going to be a blessed time. I'm so, so excited to just know you better, know what the Lord is doing in and through you. Uh, these are amazing things. And the Lord is moving in our midst. Amen? And what this also means and something that we need to be focused on and something that we need to recognize is that the Lord is moving in our midst. The enemy is also scrambling his forces to try and put a stop to what the Lord is doing. Now, does he have any power to stop the Lord? Absolutely not. Who has power to stop it or step into it? We do. 
We do. He only has the power that we allow him to have. And the only power he can ever have is the power that we willingly hand over. That's it. When we give him permission, and it's not even power, it's permission. When we give him permission to move freely, that's when he begins to work against what the Lord is doing. But if we don't give him permission, he can't move freely against what the Lord is doing. Amen? This is a fact. This is the reality of the power that you carry. But we have to recognize that the Lord is moving against us. But, or not the Lord. Erase that. Edit that out. The Lord is not moving against you. He loves you. Carry on. So many people already think that. I, I didn't mean to build on that. That's a lie. The Lord loves you. The enemy's working against you. Don't like him. Okay, but the good news, the good news, I, I'm just crushing it, right? Yeah. So fun. Really love her. She's great. Uh, just let, yeah, let's just stay, linger here longer. Um, I'm just sweat just pouring out of my head now. Yeah, dude, so fun. So fun. All right. The Lord loves you. Next chapter. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. The good news, though, church, it, receive this. We've talked about this over and over and over again, but receive it now. If you need a reminder, let this be the reminder. Who can stand against God's elect? You are God's elect. Who can stand against you? For a second, will you just believe? And if you don't believe it now about yourself, say it until you are convinced when you wake up in the morning that you are God's elect and nothing can stand against you. You are his vessel. You are his holy temple. He says, that you do, do you not know that your body is a temple for the presence of God? He doesn't need a big building. He just needs you. And his presence will be housed in you. You are his elect. But the enemy seeks to manipulate God's people into submission and into bondage. That's all he has is manipulation. John 10.10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is a lesson that I was not here for when it was taught, but it was taught to me. I wasn't here for the first lesson. When this was first taught and introduced to this house, I wasn't here yet. Uh, but this was something that was continually taught for years and years. Most of you have heard this, but how does the enemy come to steal, kill, and destroy? Through fear, through doubt, and through division. This is how he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. is through fear, doubt, and division. If you want to know how the enemy is coming at you, look for those three things in your life because those are not from God. Fear, doubt, and division are not from him. It is the enemy working against you and in your story. And one particular um, aspect of attack that the Lord has highlighted for today is, is the fear. And specifically, again, like I already said at the beginning, the fear of man. So right now, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew 14. This is where we're going to be uh, this morning for, for a moment. We're going to read uh, the first 12 verses of this chapter. Uh, I'm, I'm sure many of you know, know what this is and, and, and know what he's talking about here and have, have seen this story before, but we're just going to read it again. Matthew 14, verse 1. At that time... Herod the Tetrarch, I don't know, heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had seized John. 
Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod. So that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and they told Jesus. So again, if you don't know what's going on in this story, Herod took his brother's wife from him and made her his own. Not not okay. Not cool at all. And John the Baptist simply called this out. And because he called him out, he imprisoned him. Because he challenged him. He rebuked him. And he, in, a, in an attempt for accountability, uh, Herod rejected it. Herod reacts when John speaks truth. And in this, in this moment, allows the fear of man to guide him and his further decisions. Because why, why would he put, if he's a king, why would he care what John the Baptist said? John the Baptist is calling him out and John the Baptist has favor with the people. So what's he worried about? That the people are going to turn on him for doing this bad thing. So how do I cover this up? Get this guy that's talking about this being a bad thing. Silence him. Put him in prison. But still, fearful of man, so he didn't kill him. But then, in this moment, when this woman manipulates her daughter to receive the head of John the Baptist, in fear of what his guests will think, If he can't honor what he said he would do, I'll give you anything. Right there in front of everybody. So what does he do? He does something that he doesn't want to do because of the fear of man again. And he kills John the Baptist. Kills John the Baptist for speaking truth. And in verse 13, this is where we'll continue. Verse 13. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, They followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So this is a big crowd. We know this miracle. And just a side point, just to recognize, Jesus just loses a, a dear, dear companion, a dear friend. He's just found out that his friend, John the Baptist, who was anointed to make a way for him, 
baptized him. And without John the Baptist's obedience, Jesus doesn't step into ministry, right? This is a significant figure in this story. And he has just found out that he has been killed for doing what the Lord put him on this earth to do. And so how does Jesus respond? He responds with time alone with the Father. He immediately goes to be with his Father. That's important for us to recognize. Then he continues to step into his calling and his purpose without fear. How many of us, with someone working closely next to us on something the Lord has called us into, if we found out they were beheaded, are just going to be like, well, I guess I'm just going to continue in this ministry. All of us would be like, man, maybe not. Maybe I should live somewhere else. Maybe I should do something else. But he, he steps into time with his father. And then as he comes out of that, still stepping and walking in obedience to his purpose and why he's here on this earth, he immediately, miracles begin to immediately flow through Jesus. Immediately. As he comes to these people, he's still hurting, he's still brokenhearted, but immediately the miraculous takes place. One of the most profound and amazing miracles takes place after healing the sick. And it's not like he was just like doing some like light work. The sick were being healed. And then he feeds more 5,000 men besides the, the women and children. So that's not including these. So that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. He does this profound and amazing miracle with absolutely no fear, continuing to step into what the Lord has for him. And there's immense and profound blessing because he continued to step and walk in accordance to the will of God. And now in John 5, verse 1, we're going to read this passage as well. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which was five roofed uh, colonnades, and these lay a multitude of Invalids, invalids. Yeah, I know. I was like, wow, all right, I'm crushing. Invalids, invalids. <laughs> Woo! Listen, my high school didn't have a grammar class, okay? Like, I just skipped it and just, I, I'm, I'm, we're faking it and we're making it, all right? We're good. Invalids, which is still not a nice name, invalids, invalids, still hurtful, okay? Blind, lame, and paralyzed people. So people with afflictions. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up. Take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and he walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. And they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus, had not, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. 
the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why uh, the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. The law said that this was not allowed. But Jesus loved the father and loved his heart towards these people, moved by compassion, not fearing man, and he steps into obedience. You have to understand, Jesus didn't work a single miracle. The Spirit of God flowed through Jesus and miracles happened, right? Otherwise, how, how do we step into miracles? We've got the same Spirit. The same Spirit that Jesus had, has, dwells in this place and dwells in you. And these miracles will flow from you just as they did from Jesus. But Jesus walked according to the will of God and in obedience moved by compassion and would allow these things to take place, allow these works of God to flow through him. But the law that Jesus was coming to put to death, that it would no longer have weight and power over us any longer, the law said that this was not allowed. But Jesus, again, loved the Father and it loved the Father's heart towards these people more than he feared man. The fear of man and the pressure of man would not have allowed Jesus to do these things. It would not have allowed Jesus to step into this, and it would not be allowed by Jesus right now to navigate his actions as we saw with Herod. The fear of man dictated what he would do and what he would not do. All because Jesus knew the Father. Jesus loved the Father. There's a lot of things that we can talk about when it comes to the fear of man. There's a lot of aspects of this that we can talk about, but I don't want to get into any of those things. I just want to look at the, the fact and the reality that Jesus dealt with the fear of man on a regular basis. People constantly around him afraid to step into what the Lord was calling them into. He dealt with this all the time with the people that he was ministering to. How did it not affect him? It's important for us to recognize this. If you in this house, if we want to step out boldly like we see Jesus do, even when man is rising up against us or against you, even when man says it's not going to happen or that the Lord can't change you or can't change the city or can't, how many of us have heard this or even believe this? The Lord can't forgive me for that. That's a fear of man response. That does not originate in the heart of God. That's a fear of what you've done, a fear of man's actions. And how many of us have dealt with people? I, de I have dealt with this the entire time I've lived here, and it drives me nuts. How many people, when I start talking positively about this city, will respond with negative comments about this city? I'm like, oh my gosh. It's like pulling teeth, trying to get people to be positive. It's ridiculous. But we do this all the time. And there are so many you have to understand that do not believe there's any hope for this place. They don't have it yet. And I, I'm not mad at them. I'm not upset with them. They just don't have it yet. 
That's okay. They're in process with the Lord, just like all of us are. The Lord will take care of it and he will move through them. But there are so many that will tell you when, when the Lord calls you into something that you can't do that, you can't step into that, you shouldn't do that. Um, you shouldn't follow that. It doesn't make sense on paper, so that should be what dictates you. You shouldn't do that because you're going to have less of a paycheck. You shouldn't do that uh, because it's going to be inconvenient, right? The fear of man tries to sneak its way in every time the Lord calls us into something new. And when these people say, or, or when the spirits that are coming against what God is doing say, sundown will never look like the kingdom, or they attack you for your hope, and they attack you for your joy. If you want to be this unwavering, uh, this unwavering force in the face of these things, you must be spending time on the mountaintop with the Father as Jesus did. There is a time, and it has come, and it is now, where we as individuals must begin to pursue the Father in our stories. Again, too long and too many Christians in this country depend on a pastor to develop their relationship with God and lead them in their relationship with God. That is not my job. I'm here to speak revelation and walk in obedience to him, not to you. I love you and I love sharing these things with you. But my responsibility is him and obedience to him. Jay's responsibility is obedience to him. One of the most profound things, I, I'll, I'll never forget this. It's like a guiding thing for me. Uh, it was a story that Jay uh, shared with me a lot, lot, of, lot of years ago. Um, we've been around the block a couple times. You know. um, he, was, he was meeting with worship pastors. And he was talking to them about obedience. And it was, at the time, a foreign concept. That's how far we've come in eight years, which is profound. But... Um, because those are not the conversations I have with worship pastors now in Lubbock, which is exciting. They know what obedience is. But he asked them this question. If the Lord said not to play a single song on a Sunday, would you do it? And they're just, they're just short-circuited. Like, well, how can I not? I'm a worship leader. I have to. That's not worship. Obedience is worship. And your only job as a minister, as a Christian, is to walk in obedience to the Father. Period. That's it. That's it. So if Jake comes in here and says, we're not singing today, and that, that has happened. That's happened, you, that's happened several times, but there, not too long ago, you got two sermons. That's all you got. Two sermons, no songs. You got two messages. It was beautiful. It is what the Lord needed to do. But obedience is what, that is worship. That is praise to his ear. He doesn't desire sacrifice. He desires obedience, right? This is what the Lord desires for us to step into. This is what the Lord desires for us uh, in these things is to step into obedience and be obedient to what he's doing. But how can I do this? How can I step into these things unwavering, walking in obedience as Jesus did if I don't spend any time alone with him? I have to know him. I have to know his heart. I have to know his heart for this community. I have to know his heart for you. And I have to know his heart for me. But if I don't spend time on the mountaintop with, with Jesus, with the Father, and with the Spirit alone, not in ministry. I fell into that trap when I was a youth pastor here. Oh, early on into it, I would count my preparation for a lesson as time with God. No, that's to be a reflection of time with God. 
right? Not the source of my time with God. These messages for these kids was supposed to come out of time I had spent in my own story. Revelation that I had received in my own story. And then the Lord was going to do new and profound things. Our relationship with Him and our experience of Him, it is what allows us to move past the fear of man. And there is coming a time, and it is here now again, where the fear of man, it is, it is one of the most significant cards that the enemy has to play. It's when the Lord begins to call you individually into ministry, and He is doing it now. Sunday school, and this is part of the reason for the fellowship hour that we're going to have, but even this morning in the fellowship at Sunday school, I'm hearing about how the Lord is calling people into specific things to transform this community. Specific things that He's calling them into. And it's encouraging to hear that their, their response to Him is yes. They're not afraid of what man will say or do or think. Or, and the fear of man too is not just a fear of a literal man coming against you, but the fear of things that control man. We live in a society that is controlled by fear and controlled by measurement. That's it, right? Everybody, I, 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 me and Sarah go round and round about this just because it wears us out so much, but like going to the grocery store is a terrifying thing now, right? Because one, I don't know what organ I'm going to leave with just to get, these food, get the food. It's so expensive. But the other thing is you start looking at what they're putting into this food and you're like, this is illegal in every country but America because it causes cancer, causes diabetes. And why is it there? Because we're chasing a green piece of paper. And they're terrified to lose that green piece of paper. We've all been there, right? When we start making a little bit more money, what do we start doing? We start trying to do more stuff so we can make a little bit more. We get excited. We start stepping into it, all for a piece of paper that has no value in the kingdom of heaven. It only has the value that we give it. Right? But this is the world that we live in. This is the fear that controls this society and the actions that it takes and the things that it does. It has built a kingdom of the fear of man before our eyes. So these things are coming. These things are coming. But from this house, this house has never operated with a fear of man. We've always done things differently. Not because we desired to be different, but be, because we desired to be obedient. And there are places in, in Kenya, in Mexico, um, in other parts of the world. In, uh, they're real places. I just can't remember what they're called. Uh, Bangladesh and, and places like that where people can learn about Jesus, can come to know the Father because of what the Lord did through this house. Things that don't make sense. I've been to the compounds in Kenya and I've looked at the churches. I've seen the walls. I've seen the facilities that are amazing facilities that this house built. And I look at it and I'm like, we didn't have the funds to do this. No way. But because our leadership at that time, and I pray still now, was not afraid of the obedience that the Lord required of us, stepped into it with fullness and there was provision and things happened. Right? What happened with Jesus? He steps in he's, he's, and he's trying to bring the disciples in on this. Don't be afraid of the need. Don't be afraid of the need because the fear of man is already working on him. We, 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 don't, we don't have enough. We've got to send them off. We, we can't do this. Stop. And he prays 
He seeks the Father. He's not dictated by the fear of man. And what we see is a profound and miraculous miracle take place. And these disciples have an abundance from God because they stepped into obedience instead of allowing fear to dictate and navigate their story. We've talked about this several times. There are people in here, I know, and I've had many conversations with a lot of you, and a lot of you have stepped into what the Lord is calling you into, but it, which is amazing, and praise God for this, but how many of us have felt called by God and been too afraid to step into it? All of us, right? I know the Lord is prompting me into something, but I am terrified to step into this. And most of the reasons that we're scared are what are they going to think? What are people going to say? What about this? What if, I, I, I can't step into this. I just won't make enough money. This is what the Lord's calling me to do, but I need a bigger paycheck. Or, no, I, I, I don't want to do that. It, it's really in, it's, it feels like it's going to be a major inconvenience. And that's the fear of man, and it's dictating things, and it's preventing the people of God. He is trying to prevent the people of God from stepping in to what the Lord is calling them to. Proverbs 29, 25, it says, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. But without personal relationship, church, without personal pursuit, how can you trust Him? How can you trust Him? How can you trust in His goodness? How can you stand, uh, uh, be steadfast when the fear of man comes if you have no relationship with the Lord to back you up? You will build your life upon the sinking sand if you do not have relationship with the Lord. And when the fear of man comes, it will stop you in your tracks. My prayer and my desire for this house is that we would be a people after His own heart. But to be a people after His own heart, we've got to pursue His heart. How can we be a people after a heart we do not know? We have to pursue it. And so my encouragement for you today is to recognize that the fear of man will come. And in this season especially, and try to prevent you from stepping into what you know the Lord is calling you to do. Step into it. Because there are baskets of abundance waiting for you. Where your need will be met, provision will be met, and you will overflow with more than enough as you walk in obedience, not allowing the fear of man to guide you and direct you. Pursue Him. Have a relationship with Him. One of the coolest things about growing up um, was that every morning when I came down for school, I saw my dad at, at the table reading, this, reading the Bible. Uh, he's a very like, analytical guy. Like, he, he loves the study of Scripture. He loves reading. Just He loves it. Um, and so he would just sit and it was before he did anything. And then we've started this model of uh, within church of a quiet time, right? We, we've titled it. We've got books on how to do it. We've got uh, uh, read the Bible in a year programs to benefit your quiet time. What did Jesus do? He didn't have a curriculum. He just went and was with God. How, how many of you need an activity plan to just spend time with your best friend? That would be like me and Sarah being like, you know what, I, let's hang out sometime. Let's, let's go do a coffee thing. Right? I'll see you then. No, we, we'll, we'll just sit at home. Last night, we just sat at home in disappointment as tech broke our hearts. <laughs> but we were together. Right? It was time spent. It wasn't, it wasn't anything profound, but we were together. Right? 
That's all the Lord needs is a heart that just wants to be with His. And He will mold you and equip you and shape you. And you will learn to trust Him because you will, every time you experience the heart of God, you will experience the goodness of God. And you will be able to step into with more boldness the scary things that He's calling you into. But I'm telling you what, from experience being called into the scary things, they are a lot of fun. I've never once been called by God and regretted saying yes to the call. Not one time. He's batting a thousand. It's amazing how much fun walking with him is. And he's doing new and profound things, church. So do not allow the fear of what if or how or why to keep you from stepping into what the Lord is calling you into. Amen. Instead of singing a song, I want to uh, share a testimony just so fast. Like I told Parker. Just so, so fast. So fast. Um, so one of the things, I had a special opportunity last weekend to uh, deal with about of the fear of man like I have never dealt with. Mm. Um, it kind of came out of nowhere, uh, caught me unaware, and I was floored really all weekend long last week. Just anxiety overwhelmed, having a hard time get a hold of that the sadness that anxiety brings. Um, I, was, I was a heavy dude last weekend. Uh, but one of the graces that the Lord gave me was a couple of sermons by Bill Johnson that mm. when I couldn't get a control of my thoughts, when I couldn't go to sleep, I would turn on that sermon, I would turn on one of those sermons, and he would allow me to rest. And one of the things that, and I'll, well, I'll finish with that, there were a couple of things that happened that weekend as I pursued the Lord in this time by myself. And just like, help me, because this isn't from you. I don't want this. Um, but still feeling the full scope of the emotion and the weight of it. Um, I had opportunity to pray again with a, the, a man that lives in our neighborhood, his wife. I can't remember the name of her um, the disease she struggles with, but it's a it's an issue. It's a disease of her blood that weakens her and uh, it just prevents her from doing anything. Uh, and we had prayed with them a long time ago, Carrie and I. It's been multiple months, and he stopped her the other day and told her that Margaret, his wife, uh, they had gone to Dallas and had gotten a wonderful report, something that they hadn't had in years, and now she's up and walking around the neighborhood, walking with him. He walks every morning. And I caught him that weekend and was talking to him about it. He said, you know, she's still not, like she still is very down when she's not up. And I just had the opportunity to pray with this man again for the full and complete healing of the Father. Just in that moment, feeling the Holy Spirit say, let's go after it again. And seeing his tears of joy that somebody saw him Mm. and prayed for him. And then the next day, bumped into our neighbor, Barb, um, who, Barb is somebody that we love dearly. And I was out talking 18 months ago, over a year at least with her, about the hold that alcoholism had had on their family. And she mentioned in particular her nephew. And I said, let's pray right here in in, in your driveway. Let's pray. Let's go after it. And... I found out, uh, I think it was Sunday afternoon, she told me that he had stopped drinking. Wow. 
about a year ago. Wow. The Lord saved that testimony for me in that moment. Wow. When I needed to know that he heard me, when I needed to know that he saw me, I didn't have anything to do with God accomplishing those. But he saved those testimonies in those moments so that I knew he was with me. Mm. And one of the things that I want you to know that he taught me, and as Parker preached this morning, he just put it in these words, that obedience is your deliverance from the fear of man. Amen. One of the things that's astounding in that story in Matthew 14 is sometimes I don't think we fully understand how Jesus processed life because we hide so much of his story and his deity, right? Like, the things that he was able to do, the things that he encountered, the way that he was able to give thanks in the midst of the man who, who betrayed him. We hide that ability in his deity rather than contemplating his humanity. So when John is beheaded, I don't think I'm taking anything away from Jesus when I'm saying I believe he dealt with the ramifications of his own choices in life. I don't think I'm taking anything away from him. So I'm pursuing this same life. And I know where it's leading. That time alone with the Lord was to mourn his cousin, but was also to deal with the reality of what his story would bring. And it's amazing to see that God's blessing to Jesus in that moment is to move through him. Yeah. I don't think that that miracle on that day was just for the people who were hungry. That's right. Jesus was blessed to obey his father. And the deliverance from that fear came through God using him, came through obedience. So I just want to encourage you, if you find those moments when the Lord says, do this, and then that heavy feeling of like, what happens if I do this? What will the people around me think if I spit in the mud and put that on this blind man's eyes? Or what if I do this thing in this very public place? Your deliverance from that fear is the obedience. Mm. Because the other side of that obedience is always joy. Amen. No matter what happens, no matter who says what about you or who looks at you funny because you're doing it, the deliverance from that fear is always obedience because joy immediately comes mm -hmm. with obedience. Thanks for listening.